0: All right, so we are in our series called The Death of Death, and each week what we are doing is we are looking at how God has broke through into our world. He's taken death, wrestled it to the ground, and taken death, and then stuffed it in the coffin, sealed that coffin coffin shut so that death might no longer have any power over us again, and we might live in everlasting life now and forever. And this is the good news of the series, that Jesus has laid death in its grave. And today we see what happens when Jesus, the death wrestler, comes up, is confronted with the powerful elite of the day. And we all, we all have power to some degree. We all have some type of power to some degree, and the question is, will we use that power for good or for evil? And all I would start out with saying today is that Jesus doesn't want us to too quickly assume that we are using the power that we have been given the way we ought to be. There are motives that we have behind why we're doing what we're doing that we might Need to take a look at that, might need to be examined. And we're going to look at some very important truths about power and specifically about how we ought to be using the power that we've been given. And listen to this listen to this there's a way to use the power that's been given you so that what you do today echoes on into eternity, so that it is lasting. So we're in John 18. We're going to read verse 28 through 38, and then we're going to jump into chapter 19 and read two verses, verse 10 and 11. And so here's basically what's happened up until this point. So Jesus has just been arrested, and he's, been, and he's being tried by the religious leaders, and the religious leaders are about to bring him to Pilate to be crucified. So that's what's about to happen. So here's, here's where we go. Then they The Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what death he was going to die. So Pilate entered the headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? So later, Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has done the greater sin. So in these verses we see two major powers of the day collide with Jesus, the religious power and the political power. In history, two of the most influential influential positions of power, and they use this, this position of power in a completely wrong way. They arrest Jesus, though he's innocent, And they kill him, though he's done nothing wrong. A complete misuse of their power and influence. These people want power, but for all the wrong reasons. So, real quick, power. The way we want to define power, the way we want to think of power is power is the ability to impact and influence the people and world around you. So power is the ability to influence the people in the world around you. And you could influence the people in the world around you in a, in a good way or a wrong way. In the right way or the wrong way. But power is the ability to make an impact on the world around you. How you use it, does, it, it it's up to you. But you have the power to influence the world around you. Absolutely everybody does. And sometimes power is stumbled upon. Sometimes power is given to you by a job title. Sometimes power is earned. Sometimes if you have a talent, you are given a, a, a platform, an influence over other people by a talent that you have. Uh, sometimes it could be money. If you have a lot of money, you can influence and you can make an impact on the world around you. And we tend to look at power, and we tend to have a negative view of power, but the reason that we're having a negative view of power is because of how we have seen power used in a wrong way, in a negative way. But the thing is, none of you can run from having power. All of you have influence over the people and the world around you to some degree. Power is about having the ears, the people around you, and influencing them. Power is having a platform of influence. So whether you want it or not, you all have a stage. What are you going to do with it? Whether you want it or not, you have a microphone. The question is, how will you use it? And with this stage and with the microphone that you have, you are building something. You are building some type of building, you are building some type of empire, even a kingdom. The question is what is it that you are building? What will be standing? What kind of house have you built or are you building? Not a literal house. What is the kind of kingdom that you're building? So in the degree, here's the thing, the degree that you have influence is the degree to the size of which kind of kingdom or what kind of house or what kind of building that you can build. And what happens is people get so obsessed with thinking, if I could just have a little bit more influence, if I could just have a little bit more power, then I could build something bigger, then I could build something greater. And what happens is people can become more concerned about having this microphone or having this stage instead of being more concerned about what is actually being built. What are you leaving behind? What is the legacy that you are leaving? You have, you have the ability to influence. How will you use it? Where is your area of influence? So this could be your job. So your job could be a place where you are building something amazing. It depends on what you do with the power and influence that you have. Even if you say, I don't think I really have a lot of influence, you probably have more than you realize. Or this could just simply be in your friendship groups. So in your friendship groups, you are building some type of empire. You're building some type of kingdom. You're building some type of culture. Each and every single one of you in your group, you have an impact on that group of friends that you are in. The question is then, how are you making an impact in this group of friendships that you are in? And how is your group of friendships impacting the world around this group of friendships that you are in? Or if you have money. You can use your money to make a positive impact on the world around you or a negative impact on the world around you. Or your talent. What are you good at? And how are you using what you are good at to make an impact? Is it a positive one? Is it a negative one? And one of the most Underappreciated positions of power is being a parent, specifically being a mom, and even even more specifically, being a mom to young kids, because here's what happens: you have their ears, their eyes, and their hearts all day. And this is such an important position of influence. Now, you can say, no, 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 yes. An incredibly important position of influence. Every single one of you, you have a position of influence. The question again is what are you going to do about it? And in our text today, what we see is two terrible uses of power and influence. Two massive stages and two massive microphones with massive speakers that are being projected out into terrible uses of that platform. So we're seeing right here the mingling of religious power and political power being completely misused. And what we see here is a warning of how the two should not be mingling together, of how politics and religion should not come together. There's this long period where the church is in bed with the government, and it is Bad, bad, bad for the church. The church is massively failing during this period, and here is why. Because the church is not being the church. Because what the church ought to be doing is not being here to claim power, but the position of the church ought to be not to claim power, but to give power away. And that is when the church is being the church. Not when the church is standing in positions of power, but when the church is willing to say, I don't want this. We don't need power. And just giving it away. To force a belief upon someone is not how God works. God works by persuasion and love, speaking truth in love, not forcing people to believe something. And for this long period, the church was claiming this power and forcing people to believe something, and it was a massive failure of the church. So there is a pattern of how the church ought to use the power that it has, and here's how it goes give power away. Keep giving power away. Don't try to claim power. Build this empire of power, but continue to keep giving power away. And the religious leaders here failed to do this. Now, we know this in the Gospel of Matthew. Pilate says about the religious leaders, he says, the reason that they were handing Jesus over is because they were envious of him. See, here's what's been going on. The the religious leaders of the day, they had this massive platform. Massive platform. And then Jesus, tons of power, and then Jesus comes on the scene and he's got all of this influence. I mean, there are times where Jesus is like speaking at a conference outside. There's over 20,000 people there, and they're there for days. They don't bring, they don't have food with them, but they're willing to sit out in the heat to endure so that they might hear what Jesus says. This is a massive influence that he has. And here's what's happening the religious leaders are completely jealous of him about it. And so this is what they do they say, you know what? We got to kill this guy. This is how jealous they are. We got to take this guy down. We got to kill him and not just kill him, but we've got to do this in such a way that his followers become embarrassed of him. So for the Hebrew people, one of the worst ways or the worst way to die is to be hung on a tree or hung on a cross. It says, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. And so the religious leaders seek for him to be crucified so that his followers might become embarrassed of having followed him. But here's the thing about what God does. God uses this, this this saying, curses anyone who's hung on a tree, and Jesus goes and says, yeah, I'm about to be cursed, and I'm going to be cursed for all my people so that they don't have to be. I'm going in their place to be cursed so that they can be free and come into my kingdom. He uses the evil of the religious leaders to bring about good. They had a lust for power, and it made them want to kill him. See, when you want to build your own kingdom, your own empire, your own building for you, whenever your power is in jeopardy, you get scared. You get jealous you're terrified of losing power. But when you are building a kingdom that isn't yours and isn't for you, but for others, you are willing to say, I can give all this power away. I don't need it. I don't have to have it. See, here's the key thing. If you have power, if you have influence, the best way to use it is to be willing to lose it all for the sake of good. And if you're willing to lose it all for the sake of good, it's then that you will make an impact on the world around you. Now, I think to some degree, it's likely that these religious leaders of the day, it's likely that they had their position. And at first they probably said, you know, I want to do some good for the society around me. And so in their mind, they're thinking, okay, I'm going to do some good. And they start off that way. But then here's what happens. So, so, so they're, they're there and they're saying, okay, I'm going to start building this building for the good of others. And they start building this building. But then someone says to them, hey, this building you're building, you're putting a lot of hard work in. You should probably give yourself a room there in this building. And so they give themselves a room. And they're doing, they're doing all this hard work. And then after all this hard work, they're kind of feeling like people aren't appreciating them. And like, oh, man, I'm really bummed. People aren't appreciating me right now. And this kind of continues on, and then they kind of start feeling entitled to it. And so, so then they start building their room a little bit bigger. And their room just kind of keeps getting bigger and bigger, and there's less and less room for the people that they were there to originally serve. But now what starts happening is this building that's for other people that they were building has now become a castle for them, and they are the king. And instead of serving the people around them, they're seeing the people there to be serving that person who wants that crown, that castle. that that was supposed to be a building for others has now become a castle for them where they are the king. Now, don't think that this can't happen to you. In fact, it's likely that it is. Do you find yourself getting jealous over people who maybe have the same job as you. And maybe sometimes they're a little better at it. Or maybe they get a little bit more praise than you do. See, because you're building your own kingdom. And when you get the praise from others, you feel good. And you're kind of like, okay, I want to build my kingdom so that I can get the praise of others. But then someone else is getting the praise. And so what happens? We get jealous. We would never say it. And we feel that kind of inside of us. And we want to push it away. And we want to like, get rid of it. But it still keeps creeping up. And we don't really know what to do about it. And we don't know why it's there, but it keeps on coming and it will not go away? Or do you have a talent and someone comes along that's maybe a little bit better than you? See, because your talent was there and you were getting praise for it, but then someone else comes along and now they're getting more praise than you because they're maybe a little bit better than you, and you find this jealousy creeping in and you don't know what to do about it. You want it to go away, but it keeps on coming. Or maybe the way you look and the way someone else looks. Maybe you think someone's better looking than you and you find yourself getting jealous about it. So I remember um, years ago um, when I was a worship leader, I was writing songs for the church where I was serving. I was, I was serving at this church. And I was serving and I was writing songs for this church. And we went to go start recording. And there was someone else in the band and I was encouraging this person to, to write songs too. And finally he wrote a song, and it was a great song. And then I found myself getting jealous. Now listen to this. Listen to how bad this is. I was there to serve the church, to bring glory to God, and I was encouraging someone to write a song. And when they did, and it was good, they got praise for it, and I got jealous. Now listen, listen to this. Listen to how messed up this is. I'm supposed to be there to serve the people of God so that they might discover how great God is. And someone else comes along and does exactly what I'm trying to do and I don't want them to do it anymore. Because why? Because really, I wasn't serving the church. I was doing something at the church so I might get praise from the people at the church. So listen to what has just happened. Instead of me serving the church, the church is now serving me. Because what do I want? I want something from them. I want praise. That's where jealousy comes in. That's why we get jealous. Because we want our own castle, and someone is taking it away. And so jealousy starts creeping in. And we know we shouldn't have it there, but it still keeps creeping in, and we don't know what to do about it. Why is it happening? Because we want our own kingdom. We want our own empire. Not for others, but for us. Jealousy is a perfect sign that you are trying to build your own kingdom, your own empire. So the question now is, who are you jealous of? It's got to be somebody. So listen, listen, you probably should go and say sorry to them because it's likely that if you're jealous of this person, you've probably given off some type of vibes and they're probably picking up on it and they probably don't know why it is, but you probably hurt their feelings to some degree because of your jealousy and you probably should say sorry to them, because you're probably hurting their feelings. And part of it is you just can't help it, because you're jealous. We're probably more concerned about power than we realize. We wouldn't call it power, but we, here's what we want. We want approval from people, and so we use power to get it. Or maybe we want control, and so we use power to get control. Or we want comfort, and so we use power in order for us to have more and more comfort. We are more vulnerable to the lust of power than we realize. All right, so that's, that's the religious group that are lusting over power. Now, look, here's, there's, there's, another, there's another guy, another leader that's lusting over power. His name is Pilate, and Pilate is seeking to build his own kingdom as well, only he's just doing it in a different way. Pilate is not jealous Pilate is ambitious. His career was more important than doing the right thing because he felt Jesus was innocent. That's why he was having this conversation with the Jewish leaders. He felt like Jesus was innocent. But what was more important for him is furthering his career. And so what does he do? He's trying to finagle this. He's trying to let Jesus go free, but also to appease the Jewish leaders of the day, but he can't do it. So he's got to make a decision. Am I going to do the right thing or am I going to further my career? And he chooses to kill an innocent man in order to further his career. Now, ambition is not a bad thing. Ambition, it's bad depending on what it's serving. Is it serving you or is it serving God and others? One is for selfish gain, and the other is for selfless kingdom building. Are you building a kingdom for you or for others? Do you want to be the king, or are you willing to lay down your crown so that others might have a great life? Now, in Port St. Lucie, St. Lucie County, the Treasure Coast, we're not an area that's really known for people who are ambitious about their career. But we are known for people who are ambitious about something. Well, maybe we aren't known, but, but this is the case. We are ambitious. We are ambitious for comfort. And we will chase it at all costs. We're ambitious for finding it. And, and we're ready to give up anything that stands in the way of being comfortable. Comfortable. We're building a castle, but it's a castle of comfort. And here's the question. Because if you're chasing a kingdom, in order to get that kingdom, you have to sacrifice something. So what are you sacrificing in order to be comfortable? Maybe something that shouldn't be sacrificed. Maybe you don't want to serve others because in serving others, you don't feel very comfortable. Maybe instead of helping to build a great city, you say, ah, I'd rather be comfortable. I'd rather just kind of do my thing. Or do you avoid people? Because people become problematic, and people require attention, and so uh, sometimes that attention I don't really want to give, and sometimes it kind of drains the life out of me. So I'm just going to avoid people completely. But listen, you cannot make a positive impact on the world around you if you are not with people. And Your desire for comfort is chasing you away from people. All right. So what I want to do now is offer a whole different kind of living, a whole different kind of building that we are called to build, a whole different kind of empire that is built on something completely different, an empire that isn't built by those who have power, but is built by those who have power and are willing to give it all away. I want us to find the truth that Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark when he says, what does it profit you to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? You must be willing to lose. Listen, listen, listen. You must be willing to absolutely lose your kingdom to find the eternal one. You've got to be willing to crumble up everything that you are building for you in order to find this eternal kingdom. So Jesus says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. It's of another world because if it was for this world, my people would be fighting for me to be king here, but they are not fighting for me to be king here, because I'm king of another world, and my world that I am king of, it's doing something. It's beginning to inhabit this world. It's that my kingdom is of another world, but it is concerned about this world, and it's coming into this world, but it's coming in in secret. It's not coming in like, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's coming in underneath where we can't Find it where we can't see it like a mustard seed that is just going out and it's secretly kind of just taking over the world until one day heaven has now come on the earth and that's the great promise of christianity that one day all things are going to be made right this great promise that heaven is coming down into the earth so the pattern of the way jesus's kingdom is built is not by those who claim power and say look at me but those who are willing to say i have influence and i'm willing to give it all away and for the sake of building god's kingdom and I'll risk whatever it takes to build his kingdom over my own. In chapter 19, Jesus says to Pilate, Pilate, any power that you have, it's been given to you by God. You actually haven't taken power. It's been given to you, and here's what that means. If power is given to us, then that means if you're in a position of influence, you can live with the willingness to give it all away for the sake of building God's kingdom. You can live with the ability to just say, here, I don't want this power. I don't need this power. And, and here's what God does. You have, you have a stage, you have a microphone, and you say, I don't need this microphone. Someone else can handle it, can have it. And then God keeps bringing you back up on the stage because he's the one who gives power and influence. And then the next thing you know, he's given you potentially a bigger stage and a bigger microphone with bigger speakers because you're willing to live without having the power and influence. Or maybe he just takes it away, but it doesn't matter because we're building God's kingdom, not our own. Your microphone, your stage that you have is absolutely a gift from God. The pattern of building God's kingdom is a willingness to give it all away. The Christian is committed to doing what God says to do and letting God figure out the rest. More concerned about the kingdom of God and our souls and the souls of others and finding power. Why? Because, listen, the Christian, the Christian has another king and it's not himself. It's not herself. The Christian is defined by the king and the king's kingdom, not by the kingdom that the Christian is building. And just think about how exhausting that is. If you have to build your own kingdom, you're constantly worried about it crumbling. You're constantly worrying about it falling. You're constantly needing to be strategic to build up your kingdom more because your kingdom is what's defining you. You will either be defined by your kingdom or the kingdom of God. Whichever one you pick is your choice. If you pick your own kingdom, you will constantly be defined by your kingdom. But if you pick the kingdom of God, you are defined by the king of the kingdom and the kingdom that he is building. There's another proverb. See, uh, look, we're willing to just crumble up the kingdom we're building because we inherit an eternal one. And there's a proverb that says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Every building, every empire, if we build it, it will one day crumble. But if we seek to build God's kingdom, it will continue on and on and on. So here's what that means. Whatever kind of stage you have, whatever kind of microphone you have, whatever kind of loudspeakers you have, if you're seeking to build your own kingdom with it, eventually it will all crumble. But if you seek to build God's kingdom, it will continue to echo on into eternity. What you do today, if you are seeking to build God's kingdom, it will echo on into eternity. On and on and on. And this has massive implications for your job and what you do. All kinds of things. just, Just take your job, for example. If you will look at your job as a position of influence that you have, not to build your own kingdom, but to build God's kingdom, then that means what you do in your job will echo on into eternity. If you're sitting at your job and you're just like, oh, I'm so bored with what I'm doing. This is horrible. If you will realize that you are there and have the ability to build God's kingdom in your job, then what you do will have massive purpose in your life because you can know that what you do that day can echo on forever and ever and ever. What is your job and how does your faith influence it? This is something like in years from now, the Grove is going to really, really like start saying, this is something we're going to really start focusing on where we are sending out servant leaders who are willing to think differently about how we can bring God's kingdom into our area through the workplace. That's to come. And it's going to be epic when it starts happening. It's going to give us tons of moxie. I'm bringing that word back. If you haven't been around here for a while. That was a word that we said a lot moxie. It's coming back. Okay, so what is your job? Are you a teacher? Are you a politician? Are you a farmer? Are you a lawyer? Are you a doctor? Are you a stay at home mom? Whatever it is, there is so much purpose in your job if you will just open your eyes to seeing it. Or parents. You have the potential to not just impact your children's future for the next 70 to 80 years, but you have the potential to have an eternal impact on their future if you will just see what God is doing in their life and join Him. Or with your friends. Uh, Your friends are not your friends by accident. You're like, yeah, I know, I didn't choose my friends. They're really driving me crazy right now. Listen, God has put you in the group of friends that you have not by accident but by, by, on purpose and you have a microphone in a stage of influence for them. The question is, are you helping to bring God's kingdom into their lives? Now, what does it mean to seek to bring God's kingdom here? How do we do that in these places? Well, for, first, here's the first thing. You seek whatever, your job. You do everything with excellence for the glory of God. There's a, there's a, there's a motto that I think I'm going to adopt for me. Just maybe temporarily. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But it's, it's this. I'm vowing to live with excellence in all that I do for the glory of God and for his kingdom. And I know that when I do something well, it is by his grace that it has happened. Not by me, but by his grace. And when I fail, I want to rest in his grace. But it's not just being excellent in the things that we're doing, but we're being excellent in the way that we love. So this is the second way to bring God's kingdom, is we just simply love people the way God's loved us. We're gracious. When somebody fails in our life and they fail, and they just kind of let us down, we're gracious to them because God has been gracious to us and God has forgiven us far more than we deserve. And we start living like people live in the kingdom, and we start loving. We have this fruit of the Spirit where we have love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control. And Listen, when we don't have those things, it's likely because we are seeking to build our own kingdom. So if you lack joy in your life, you're just trying to build your own kingdom, and you're failing in doing it. If you're seeking to build your own kingdom and your joy is based off of your kingdom, then you live such a fragile life that can just crumble at any moment. Your joy could just be swept away. But if you're seeking to build God's kingdom, you have an eternal joy that is steady. It's there. It's not moving. Third, it means you speak God's truth. That's what Jesus is all about, truth. So he says it to Pilate. I was like, what is truth? Jesus is like, well, me, I'm truth. Specifically, this is what we're holding onto. <laughs> we're holding on to this truth that God has broken into the world and he has wrestled death to the ground and he has stuffed it in a grave and he has come to bring his kingdom and it's an everlasting kingdom where all, one day all things are gonna be made right because he has brought his kingdom. Now listen, 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 listen. He's the only king worth following. And his kingdom is the only kingdom worth building. Why? Because he is the only king that is cosmically glorious. And he's the only king that's willing to come and be absolutely drained of all power and all glory so that you might be brought into his kingdom. It says this was all done. Him going to the cross. It says in our text, he, this was all done to fulfill the scriptures. What is the scriptures fulfilling? What is happening here? This is what's happening. Jesus is going to the cross. And on the cross, he's being absolutely emptied. The power of living life in the everlasting kingdom. And he's being drained of it so that he can give it all to you. Complete loss so you can have the complete gain everything we long for, in him. His kingdom is beginning to not just inhabit the world around us, but it's beginning to inhabit you more and more and more because you're going to the king. Him. He is the great king who was who lost everything so that he could get you. That's a king we're going to. All right, let's pray. God, we don't want to approach this like some self-help motivational thing, God. We want to see this as us giving over our crown to you, knowing that you are the great king, not us, and our kingdom is not worth building because it crumbles, but we want to build your kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. God, save us from ourselves. Save us from our selfishness. Save us from the jealousy that we have. Save us from the ambition that we have of building our own kingdom so we might lay it all down, so we might crumble it up and throw it away, so we might start building a kingdom that is everlasting. And not just so we might build it, but so that we might have the joy of knowing you, our great king. God we love you and we praise you and we just want to we we just we want to stop the exhausting effort of trying to build our own kingdom that keeps crumbling that keeps letting us down God rip our hands off of our own kingdom building so we can build your kingdom we pray this in Jesus name amen